Welcome back to the Brutheology Podcast. This is Janelle, and I'll be your host. We'll be rejoining the conversation with Diana Thompson on Jodo Shinshu Buddhism. In the room with us are Ryan, Ray, and myself. As we're having this conversation, if you're enjoying what you hear, please make sure to share us on social media and review us wherever you download your podcast. We would also love for you to find out more about Brutheology. You can visit brutheology.org. You can find us at Brutheology on Facebook and Instagram and at brew underscore theology on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy. And you wanted to return to a heap. <laughs> a heap of... <laughs> I'm not going to say it. Now, feeling, because speaking of heap, sometimes those feelings we get, yeah. One of the things that we were taught in the Western world is don't disregard someone's feelings, okay? This is pretty big, considering that especially, that's what creates a lot of tension in any kind of relationship, right? Is it was that we disregard someone's feelings. So how, how would the Buddhist specifically within your tradition, um, speak of one's feelings? And I, uh, this is such a loaded question, but I feel like it's such a, an important part of the American understanding of who we are as, as a person, mm-hmm. even though we know it's just one, even we would say it's your intellect, it's your feeling, it's your, but we put a lot of emphasis on feeling in the West yeah. quite a bit. So, um, can you elaborate more on feeling in, the, in your tradition? Cause I, it does, I, from an outsider would say you seem stoic, not you personally, Diana, mm-hmm. but, yeah, but, within, say, but within these terms, would ever describe it no, way. not you. <laughs> so. And a lot of people have issues with stoicism because it seems to lack um, a, a foundation of feeling. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, that is a tough one. Um, that one, again, it's one of the heaps because it has to do with all of the other heaps. So um, feeling is not only... When you say feelings, of course, we think like happy, sad, angry, blah, 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 like the standard kind of. But um, in this way, we refer to all of the feelings that are possible through all of our senses. So it would be touch and sight and taste and sound, etc. And so um, the feeling encompasses all of those. So... You know, we have feelings about things we see. We have feelings about things we touch, that we taste, et cetera, et cetera. And again, all based on experience. So if you are having one of the emotional feelings, um, really the only thing we can do anything about if we feel that we need to do something about it is what we feel, So we can't control the feelings of others. So even within that little reading we do with our Dharma school kids, the golden chain, there is a bit in it that specifically says that, that like you can, um, yeah, you can't control the feelings of others, only yourself. And so the idea behind that being like, just remember that you don't know the experience of the other person that you're dealing with right now. So you may go in with good intentions and say a thing that actually hurts their feelings or, you know, like 
in general doesn't go over as well as you thought it did. And so say they get angry at you for saying or doing that thing. Um, you have the choice of how to react. So you can be like doing the brains apology, you know, where you're like explaining yourself all over the place. And that wasn't what I meant. And da, 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 which is like your own feeling reacting based on all of your experiences. Or you can let me remember that this person has their own set of experiences through this chain and just say, I'm sorry that I hurt you, you know, give the heart's apology, basically, like, I'm sorry. Yeah, let me start over, (laughs) you know, kind of thing. So it's with feelings. um, So we have control over them, but not in the sense that we can control them, if that makes any sense. So, um, so, you know, if you get angry, unreasonably and I can't remember Ray if we were saying this before we started podcasting or whatever but just the idea that our reactions to are based on our experience so I'm sure we've all been in situations where we got like um you know kind of on the side that we're not crazy about where we get extremely angry at something and even we aren't 100% sure why we reacted in that extreme so Maybe that's a chance for us to kind of look at that and take a beat later and be like, okay, where was that coming from? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, if we see like, I don't know, I've had experiences where I'll be watching TV and a commercial comes on that makes me start crying. And it's the stupidest thing in general that I've ever (laughs) seen. But I'm like, for some reason that touched a heartstring. And, you know, so it's like, again, we have no feeling about feelings either because all of those are individually based. And, you know, so what do you do? Like Janelle might get angry at something that I just completely don't understand because I don't have a similar set of experiences. So I may think, oh my gosh, Janelle is angry and that was a bad thing and she way overreacted, but that's because I don't have Janelle's experiences. So perfectly reasonable for her to get angry at a thing if she has had experiences that cause that you know so again like we don't even have feelings about feelings because it's like sometimes you get angry because you do and sometimes you're happy because you do but then it folds back into the idea of those heaps that they're completely impermanent you can change them you can do something about them but you don't judge them at all because they just are what they are so See, and that's just that's another that is almost in the the same like how what's that like <laughs> because because so much of especially the tradition that i was raised in was um you know needing to like if you get angry and hurt someone um, or accidentally hurt someone with your words, then you need to feel shame and guilt and you need to repent and you need to make that right with God and you need to make that right with the other person. And it's like this whole other thing that then becomes another thing. Yeah. And so if you are a person that, you know, your personality type leads more toward anger, then that's something that you learn to shame and hate about yourself because you get angry. Um, or you get jealous of people that brush that off and are able to do, to not get angry and how lucky they are that they don't, they don't feel those things. 
and then you feel guilty about that because then you're being jealous and like there's just so much baggage wrapped up in this in the way that we respond to things and no understanding of like at least we're growing up of like the biology behind it hormones and chemistry and all those kinds of things that can affect feelings um or recognizing that they're also normal and they sometimes just happen mm-hmm. like it just the way you describe it, it it it's it's detached and i actually have had a buddhist friend say to me like you you need to be like work on non-attachment because <laughs> <laughs> i don't in it's in it's out of their care for me of like mm-hmm. i i don't want this to overtake you right yeah because yeah. you get so worked up about it and i don't understand what they're saying when they say that because I don't know any other way. Like if I'm passionate about something and it's not working, Mm -hmm. it will anger will rise up in me. And I don't know Mm -hmm. any other way to deal with that than being, yeah, my story and like, okay. And then I examine this feeling and is this wrong? Is this right? Is this bad? Is this good? Why is this happening? Mm -hmm. And it would be much easier to say, Hmm. Okay. I'm angry. Yeah. Now what do I do with and that? And use that to move forward. Right. Because, I mean, even just using examples of like all of our civil rights movements and that's righteous anger. Right. They were drawn out of anger and people use that anger to help other people. And right. that's why it's like anger is pretty solid sometimes because it can be a motivator. And if that's what you need in that moment fantastic but yeah it's the attachment thing it's just you know if you hold on to a certain mode of it then it will drag you down right that's why we're like whoa whoa whoa. is this gonna move you forward or is it gonna stagnate you and that's what we kind of like maybe look at that bit it also sounds like you kind of in your in the way your theology is functioning you almost have an awareness of trauma and Mm -hmm. oh yes um wounds and things that happen to us that are beyond our control and that we we need to be sensitive about that with other people mm-hmm. in a way that's like a given not right where like the I don't know if Ryan experienced this or you did but like there it was not okay to really talk about counseling or psychology during the decades that I was growing up my parents weren't like that but the church definitely was scared shitless of like going to therapy And so, like, any sort of knowledge about trauma or abuse or what that does to you, like, we just weren't allowed to learn it or process it. And it almost sounds like you're teaching your kids an awareness of that from the very beginning, Mm -hmm. that you are not the other person, you don't know what they've been through, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you need to be sensitive to that. And that, that, to me, is, that's amazing. Yeah, Yeah. And that, I mean, obviously there's subtleties to that because, you know, there are a lot of cultural differences with that too. And I think um, my tradition coming out of Japan, one of the things we're working on most currently, so my organization has been here from Japan for about a little over a hundred years now. And We have ministers who come from Japan as well as American-born ministers. And I think one of the things that is the most difficult to impart is that 
um, from the American ministers to the Japanese ministers that people will come to you looking for counseling. And culturally for them, it's a bit shocking that anybody would like, actually your sort of duty is to your family and family business needs to stay within the family. Um, The flip side of that though, is that there are a lot of, um, sort of, uh, and this is broad generalization and I apologize for this, but a lot of, um, sort of Western takes on Buddhist traditions that focus on the let go of that anger and be happy all the time, which comes out of more sort of very Western, like your job is to be happy and make other people happy full stop, you know? So it's like, we are still working out that, juxtaposition of, you know, cultures and groups that, you know, kind of mind your business and figure it out yourself versus like the way other side of like, you know, let's talk about feelings to the point where you need to get rid of them entirely, except the good ones, you know, so there's still like, you know, so some of us have that like, all right, well, let's just understand that we have these and just keep moving with them and I think more and more we are trying to move towards that understanding of like everybody's got their own shit going on and so you know be sensitive to the point where you know you're willing to apologize if necessary um you can still not like the way that they felt about that that's also appropriate but also just you know just enough to be like Sorry, that was (laughs) all right. Let's try again. Let's do this. But also with the acknowledgement that like you also need to treat me with that same kind of thing. I've also got that same kind of thing. So if I reacted badly in your eyes, we have to kind of accept that we're all doing this and we may not agree with the outcome, but just, you know, like, all right, work on it. I see. I see you had some stuff. So I get that. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah. Do you think that, um, do you feel in congregational life that your people handle conflict well? Um, I think, again, that's pretty dependent. Um, I don't know. And that seems to be based on generational Mm. ideas mostly. And I think that, I feel like that's kind of across the board, right? Like certain generations, you just, it doesn't matter where you were from, like, you know, because from, you know, the early 1900s on, our particular congregations, since they came from Japan, we already had, you know, second generation people growing up as American citizens, so they all kind of grew up the same. So then you see those same generational differences across the board, like the generations that like, we don't talk about anything. And I don't think that matters. Like who, what religion yeah. you grew up I think in. That's what, true. You know, it's like, yeah, grandpa, grandpa was stoic. <laughs> but it's like, but grandpa always chopped a lot of wood for some reason. <laughs> like, it's like he was always out there with the ax. I don't know what was going on. But, you know, it's like, so I think some of that is generational, although um, I will say like 
Just as an adorable little story, uh, my daughter was babysitting for uh, one of my members whose son is uh, seven years old. And she came home last night to tell me that this little seven-year-old who goes to the temple pretty regularly, he and his mom, um, he was telling my daughter that, oh, you know, I almost got into like a yelling fight with this friend of mine. But then I remembered the golden chain that, you know, we we control if we get mad or not or if we're da da da, you know. So it's nice to hear that. Like it's to me hopeful that maybe like the generation behind us will kind of we're all trying to get better at that. Yeah. <laughs> and trying to get past those like very strict generational definitions of who we are and trying to get also get past that like from stoicism to like I'm okay you're okay let's all hold hands and be overly nice to each other for no reason and you know so it's like it's it's hopeful to me that maybe we're gonna find a balance (laughs) soon with the little ones yeah that'd be awesome yeah. yeah Hey, Janelle, so you mentioned a little while ago that there, I guess there are a couple approaches, right, that we can take to, to, for example, maybe analyzing to a greater degree why I'm in a particular mental, emotional state, right? So yeah. we were talking about anger. Um, and and so, or or even the value and the usefulness of, of really not analyzing it too much and just saying, okay, well, what am, where do I go from here, right? What am I going to do about that? And, and I think both of those are, are um, good good approaches to it. I know for me, from experience that trying to analyze it for me, like if, if, you know, whether I'm, you know, in a state of annoyance all the way through, you know, anger and rage, um, in, in trying to understand why and what, what led to that, um, whether it was from, you know, whether it began from a source outside of myself and then processed within myself and finally came back out as that particular emotion, right? And, and, um, and acting out of it, it helps me because it it gives me an opportunity to see what my part is in it, you know? Yeah. And, and I know, and, and, and I think that's intuitive, right? We all know that to, to, to a degree. And, and I think, I think even, you know, we, we can't, I definitely can't. And I, I, I mean, we can't be non emotional, because we're human beings and some people have affective uh, disorders, right? Right. Um, but aside from those kinds of things, right, as um, let's just call it a quote unquote normal person, um, you know, we're going to we're going to have we're going to feel different emotions to varying degrees. Right. And, and act out on those sometimes. And and I know for me that cer- certainly anger, you know, um, that spectrum of emotions is was something that was fairly constant and a a primary um, source of problems in my life, you know, from, from early adulthood all the way through my thirties and early forties. And um, one of the things, I don't know if you guys heard of Eckhart Tolle, Mm -hmm. but um, you know, I I read a couple of his books a few years ago and that really was sort of started the awakening for me. And, and he's done so much, so much studying and research and written papers and stuff. And which is a lot completely in alignment with, you know, with Buddhist, Buddhist views and principles and practices. Mm -hmm. And so I, I've just come, you know, when it comes to anger, it's like, okay, I, I know I'm going to feel it sometimes and then um, I need to be aware of it and I need to at some point put a cap on it uh, in the sense that um, if I don't, 
uh, it's just going to take me somewhere where I'm going to create, you know, wreckage with other people and cause problems and cause more problems for myself. And, and ultimately though, so you had mentioned that like, um, you know, yeah, we can use anger. We can use some, some of the, the undesirable emotions to fuel, um, good, you know, from that. I, I just know for me that, that, you know, I need to, you know, I feel it. And that might be the initial motivator for doing something good and, and changing things. But I think my, like, I, Oh, this is what I was trying to get to in a long ass way. <laughs> so the idea that you, you'll probably know this, right? Because you know, of your, um, Jodo Shinshu <laughs> study <laughs> is so from, from, I guess to oversimplify, right? From from right thinking come right actions, mm-hmm. right? So um, always for me, always you know, learning that, hey, you know, I'm going to be angry, but if I want to deal or express myself or do something in a productive manner, um, you know, I need to come from that um, that calm, quiet presence, so that the right actions come from it, right? The right thinking too. So I, I know that when I get angry, my, my, you know, prefrontal cortex shuts down and I have problem finding the right words. So then I start using cuss words, <laughs> you know, to communicate with people. Right. So, so, you know, the, I have the, no idea what that's like. <laughs> Nothing like that. So the, the being aware of that, and then the exercise that I go through of, of calming down and quieting my mind really helps me to, you know, the, the right thinking to come around, which eventually gives birth to the right actions, you know. And I'm sure, Ryan, because as a parent of little people, you know, that's something that you practice quite often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and again, the only... Because I agree, um, but then I'm going to be that Buddhist asshole and ask you what is right, because we have question about that, too. <laughs> it's like... yeah. yeah what we think is right in that specific situation and hopefully yep. <laughs> but again too it does it's go convenient back to, to that, call like, it right isn't it yeah, yeah everybody is these heaps of stuff and so um yeah i mean to go back to anger just because that does seem to be a thing that like everybody expects buddhists to completely rid themselves of right that we're always very happy we're dancing around and calm and lovely and um again like i said it can be a great motivator but not for everybody you know for some people like we all know those people who are just like you know if they're working on a project or doing a job are in a perpetual state of high piss off nobody wants to work with that guy like nobody you know and so it's like unpleasant for everybody and so that's not the good motivating anger it's motivating that person but not getting him any help i'm sorry i'm sorry that i used a gendered term for that it's not only dudes that do that no (laughs) it's all of us but yeah, so it's like we don't want to go to that extreme with it, you know, because again, then some people are just like attached to that sense of self. I'm just that guy when I'm doing these things. I need to be that guy to get this done, you know? So that's the attachment to self that becomes destructive, you know, because you just assume that if you're not that person every time, you know, it's like right. 
your basic addictive behavior, right? If I don't have this going on, it's impossible for me to get something done. So it's, you know, that's kind of the thing, too, that we try to come across, like, absolutely, you're going to get angry. And, you know, even myself, when my daughter was very, very small, like, the general policy was, especially when she was a toddler, because we talked before, mine was very, very high spirited. (laughs) And if she got real mad, she got real mad. So I just, you know, tried to myself, because I know myself, like, mom is very angry right now. And um, I'm going to go into the restroom. I need just five minutes to be angry. And then we can come talk. And for a long time, when she was little, she's a teenager now. So who the hell knows? Like, it's going to be a more ever changing thing at this point. But at that point, when she was smaller, she actually would, if she was getting a little worked up, there were times when she could come to me and she would say, Mom, I need to go into my room because I'm really mad and I want to go punch a pillow or something, you know, things like that. So for myself, even in my household, it was like, that's okay because we do that. And sometimes we just need to be mad for a minute. We need, or we need to go cry, or we need to, you know, like, okay, I know you're kind of sad right now, but something great happened and I need to have five minutes of joy, you know, so let me have this while, you know, and then we'll get back to that kind of thing. So it's like, it's acknowledging feelings, but not like, yeah. But not assigning them value. Yes. I, I think that that's, that's exactly it. Yeah. Like the beautiful part of this, if you can learn to grasp it, is if anger rises up, it's just that's what it is. Okay, now what? what's the next step? If joy rises up, that's what it is. Now what do we do with that? And instead of making one better than the other or right. feeling guilty for something, like just experience it and mm-hmm. be a good human to other humans and be a good human to yourself in the midst of that. Yeah. That's so much healthier yeah. than... <laughs> Than a lot Glad of the shit that, that we learn, you know. I, I got a hilarious question for you. So I know something, Sweet. something that you know. When I, like I, I mentioned, I, I grew up Baptist Christian. So I, you know, amongst my friends, I was the only churchgoer, you know, or at least the one that actually tried to like learn and read mm-hmm. the Bible and stuff like that. So you know, one of the one of the favorite um, uh, put downs or criticisms of secular people, you know, to two Christians or churchgoers is, Hey, that's not very Christian. Like, you know? <laughs> so, so did anybody ever tell you like, Hey, it's not very Buddha. Like I get that all the time. <laughs> Cause yeah, again, the assumption is like, I am supposed to be really calm or really happy or really easygoing all the time, you know? So I've just yeah, never heard I anybody say a that. Motherfucker once in a while, people are like, it doesn't sound very Buddhist. And I'm like, sure, because I'm I am learning myself. <laughs> and that was part of myself at that moment. <laughs> so. But it also makes you not to embarrass you, but it also makes you so authentic and human yeah. and makes your well, it makes me take your tradition seriously instead mm. of allowing it to be something in a, a caricature or mm. 
you know, I, well, this is what Buddhist. No, like one of my best friends is a Buddhist priest and she's mm. an amazing motherfucker. Yeah. And <laughs> like hashtag. Yeah. And like that's that's real. Like that's real life. That's not just made up religious bullshit. That's mm-hmm. us trying to be good humans on the planet. And yeah. And figure out ways to live on this earth without killing each other. And like, Mm -hmm. that's really important work right now, actually. Yeah. So I really, I really love the way that you, you carry this self and your heaps through the world because you, (laughs) you show us like what it means to be a whole person. And that's not something, honestly, that Christianity is very fucking good at. Yeah. Yeah. For the self out there that needs a PG-13 R-rated <laughs> Apple podcast warning, trigger, trigger, trigger. If you're triggered right now, well, you've been listening for over an hour, so it's your own damn fault. <laughs> so there you have it. I'm curious for the rest of us here, though. I mean, um, any reactions that we have? I mean, Ray, you you're you seem to be diving more deeply into the Buddhist tradition and in general and and Janelle and I flirt with it occasionally just because of the interfaith stuff, but it's intriguing for sure. Um, in any, any thoughts or reactions before we end tonight? Oh, I guess. Um, so, well, so there's a, there's a book that I'm reading right now and it's called why Buddhism is true. And, um, you know, I think the explanation here that, that, works for me really well is it's the science and philosophy of meditation and enlightenment. And it's kind of like a, an attempt, for, this author is attempting to um, to use science, for example, brain scans, mm-hmm. and um, trying to show how um, practicing, so, so and, and this is, and this is on like, and I'll, I'll, I'll try not to make this too long here. This, this is not like on like the I don't know how many branches of Buddhism there are. There, there are multiples, tens, I don't know, 80 or 90 or something. I don't know. And, but anyway, there's just, you know, this, this book is just based on some of the very basic, um, tenets of Buddhism that are common across all Buddhist teachings and and philosophies. And so, you know, the, the, the idea that practicing Buddhism changes your normal mental network and allows you to allows me to to see things for what they really are, uh, instead of it being instead of things instead of life and experiences and people and what happens to me and what doesn't happen instead of all those things being completely subjective based on a delusional self right or the illusion of self sort of a way that allows me to see things how they really are and ultimately. You know, I have less tanha, right? Less, <laughs> less, less desire, less attachment, less suffering, ultimately, and more happiness in my life. So that's that's why I really gravitate toward Buddhism. That's good, and yeah, definitely don't want don't want anybody to think that I think it's the best thing ever. I mean, obviously, it's worked for me too, but um, you know, just to kind of. Definitely put this out there. The Buddha spoke of the 84,000 paths, meaning there is an awakening state, but we all have to get there how we get there. So, you know, this one works for me 100%, but, you know, I've found people who like little things within it, but still need God or still need Jesus in their lives because that is what is guiding them. So, 
we're also fine with that <laughs> as Buddhists because we need what we need because we are human beings and we require that. So, um, yes. Yeah. So, Ray, I'm glad you're on our side. However, <laughs> but there are Buddhist Christians out there. Absolutely. Yeah. And some Jubus. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Janelle, last thoughts, final words. I. I haven't done a deep dive into Buddhism yet, and um, the non-attachment thing is is a mystery for me, so I'm hoping someday <laughs> to figure some of that out. Um, but I just really, um, I mean, I just, I love, I love you and, and meeting Caitlin and, and the conversations we have and that, that human face on a tradition that's different than mine is what really makes the biggest impact on me. And I'm just thankful for that. And, um, it makes me curious because I like you people. And so I hope that maybe that is an attitude that all religions will gain from each other as we find selves and, and reflections of ourselves and, and things to aspire to in other traditions that we will, make space for those in our lives and let that become more beautiful. I think that's um, one of the beautiful parts of this. Yeah, I appreciate the fluidity, the dynamic nature, and yet knowing that even if I find myself in these heaps together, it's that that's still not me. Like once I think that's me, it's not me. Because <laughs> then I'm going to get attached to that self. Let me sneeze. And I, yeah. Guy with the itchy face. Yeah, I I shed (laughs) a layer of skin and like, I want my layer of skin back. (laughs) I just farted. Give me back my gas. (laughs) Give me back my gas. Going back to the gas, if you forgot that, (laughs) greed, anger, and stupidity. That's the problem, people. We want to thank Diana for her time, for her energy, her resources in the Jodo Shinshu tradition. Appreciate Ray for being here with Janelle and myself. And if you like this episode, do the world a favor. Share that on the line at Brew Theology on Instagram and Facebook at Brew underscore on Twitter. And if you want to help just support the organization with the multiple costs that any organization has, go to the Brew Theology website under donate and you can be a one-time donator or you can be a monthly contributor to however you want to give. You know, even $1 will... One dollar can save the world, people. All right. Thank you all. Much love and peace. P.S. Here we go. Okay. So Ryan kept talking about gas and there is a way to relieve it. (laughs) For Buddhist points of view, there are ways that we see things from the Buddha's side or the enlightened side. The Bino from the Buddha's side would be that Buddha. Did you catch that, by the way? Bino. If you don't know what that is, look it up. (laughs) And the Buddha's side is that Buddha's enlightenment allowed no obstacles, meaning that a wise, perfectly compassionate person does whatever they can to ensure that all beings awaken perfectly. However, as small and enlightened human beings, our Bino would be that... Buddha encourages us to always know ourselves. And even if you look at the acronym, it's imperfect because I have to add letters in and an extra word. But 
That is what we are doing as people, understanding ourselves so that we can get a little closer to the Buddha's perfect be now.